folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, Disney animator Randy Cartwright to the show. Welcome, Randy. Hello there. It's great to have you on the show because I've seen you. One of my favorite documentaries ever is Waking Sleeping Beauty, which we're going to talk about, not just yet. Uh, So that's kind of how I was introduced to you, Mm -hmm. although I've seen your work several times in Pete's Dragon and other such films. So let's get right into it because I'd like to hear about how you became an animator. Yeah, for well, for me, it started when I was in sixth grade. I A friend of mine drew a little flip book on the corner of his notepad. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So I went out that night and bought some little pads of paper and filled them up with bombs exploding and little airplanes driving by and things. And uh, by the time I was done, I decided that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I mean, I just kind of just fell in love with animation. Uh, Soon I learned that that's what cartoons were that I was watching on TV. And I don't know, I just decided I was going to be an animator at an early age and kept working towards it my whole life. And I'm still here. One of the first jobs you had for Disney was working as an in-betweener along with a famous Disney Nine Old Men member. You know, what was what was one of the most important things you took from that experience with Ollie? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was, yeah, fantastic. It was, it was not when I first started. I first started as a, actually, I first started in Disneyland. I was a costume character at Disneyland for three years, and they moved there directly into animation, the animation studio. And um, I was a trainee for a while, and then I, I um, uh, Don Bluth actually gave me my first opportunity to do some animation on The Rescuers. I did one little mouse walking towards the meeting at the beginning, uh, and um then from there, I went, I did some animation on Pete's Dragon, and then Fox and Hound was coming up. Glenn Keane had been working with Ollie to uh, be kind of his assistant animator, but Glenn had just moved up to becoming a full animator. And so Ollie was going to be taking someone else on as kind of a trainee, and I kind of was next on the list. And amazingly, I got a chance to work with him. I I'd first actually had started on Rescuers. I'd done some in-betweening for him. Most of my in-betweening was done for John Pomeroy, who was, uh, Ollie was the main penny animator. John was the kind of the secondary penny animator, but did a lot of her animation. And I was John's assistant for a while and then moved over to Ollie and started doing in-betweens for him on, uh, with Penny. And uh, then, like I said, then, then Pete's Dragon came on. I got some animation on that. Uh, and then I, I just started on... Uh, the small one, doing a little bit of animation on that when Ollie d- uh, took me on as an assistant on f- or kind of a trainee on uh, a, a Fox and the Hound, 
which was, yeah, kind of breathtaking <laughs> to get a chance to work closely with him. And uh, so I worked with him on his, in his last few months before he retired, and he and uh, Frank did their book, The um, Illusion of Life. Well, when I worked with him, I would first just do some drawings of the, the characters and bring them to him, and then he would go over them, draw over them, showing me you know, how to improve my drawing. Uh, and I've, I've kept my drawings and his drawings from that time. And my God, I don't even know how I had a job at that point. My drawings were so crude compared to his. Uh, but yeah, he would go over that. And I, I would do my animation for the Fox and Hound and then uh, bring it to him. And he would critique it and uh, kind of give me pointers on animation. And then he would kind of sit back and kind of reminisce about his years at Disney, which was kind of amazing. <laughs> Because he knew he was going to be retiring pretty soon. And I like how in Waking Sleeping Beauty, and now I'm going to tie this into the documentary, because I like how we, we saw a behind-the-scenes glimpse of what was going on with some of the home videos. Were they were they your home videos? Because I know you host the uh, the actual introductions to almost all the animators, and I love that because yeah. you're a really great <laughs> personality who likes to talk to a lot of different individuals. <laughs> well, what happened was I bought a new movie camera. It was an eight mm Super 8 movie camera with sound, and it also took 200-foot cartridges, which were uh, a normal 8 millimeter cartridge was 50 feet. Most cameras ran that, but this one ran a 200-foot, uh, which was it had like big Mickey Mouse ears kind of things on top of the camera to hold it. And so I wanted to try out the new camera just to see what it was like. And so I decided, I'll just bring it to work some sometime and just kind of film what's going on at work. So uh, that's what I did, mainly to test out the camera. My, my idea was when I did that was to start, uh, you know, out in front of the animation studio and then kind of walk around without any cuts. So you can just see kind of a little slice of time from that period of time. I didn't tell anybody I was going to do it except for John Lasseter, who was uh, working next to me and uh, was the cameraman. And uh, so we just wandered around and just wandered into people's rooms and see what they were doing. Um, the one, one person I had told that I was going to do it sometime was Ed Gombert. He was, um, and uh, so was he animating that? I think he was animating. Yeah. And uh, he knew that I was going to do it sometime. He didn't know exactly when. And so in the movie, I'll walk into Ed's room saying, this is Ed Gombert. And the room's empty. Well, I found out later that actually he's hiding under his desk because he didn't want to be be filmed. Gosh, I wish I, I had taken the camera and looked down under his desk to find him under there would have been a great moment. But uh, yeah, I did. It, it seemed like a lot of films during that time period, which is covered by Waking Sleeping Beauty, were not as recognized as they should have been. And another one that's kind of briefly mentioned is The Brave Little Toaster. And it's always mentioned on our podcast mm -hmm. because we've had the director Jerry Rees on and Rebecca and David Newman. And, and we I, I just love the film. I remember watching it over and over again on VHS tape. And it's gotten a cult following. And you worked on this film as well. It was, it was a unique project for you, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, because of the, the Black Cauldron, uh, I, I worked on Mickey Christmas Carol after that and some other things. But then uh, I had an opportunity. They offered me an opportunity to work in Japan on a Japanese movie, Little Nemo, the... the um, um, Slumber, Little Nemo in Slumberland, not the, not the fish. Uh, but, um, and so I, just the opportunity to live in Japan was too 
good an opportunity to pass up. So I I left Disney, told them I'm doing this just because it's a life experience I had to try, and they understood. They said, I'm welcome back anytime. And so I left and was two years living in Japan working on that. And uh, when that finished, Toaster was just starting up, and Toaster was going to be done in Taiwan, still in Asia. And I just loved living in Asia and experiencing other countries and other cultures. Uh, so that's one of the things that drew me into it. Yeah, really kind of a fun experience. It, it wasn't that – I was only on it for a little over six months. I wish I'd been involved longer, but um, that's how long it took for me to do my part. Actually, when I first started as a trainee, Jerry was an intern getting some artwork ready for the first year of the Cal Arts program. So I knew him from my very first uh, uh, days of starting at Disney. Oh, Rebecca also – uh, she was my assistant on Fox and Hound originally. Yeah, we worked together for quite a while. She would do all, I would do the, all the rough animation. She would do all my uh, in-betweens for me. And uh, and also Pete's Dragon, I, I don't want to not not mention that. And so mm-hmm. you worked on this as an animator of Elliot. Yep, yeah, I did. Um, Pete's Dragon, uh, pretty much Don was in, in charge of directing that stuff. And he gave me my first opportunity to do some full animation on after I'd done a little bit on Pete's Dragon, I mean, on uh, Rescuers, I did the animation on Pete's Dragon and made, I think you had to have 100 feet of animation to get a credit on the film, and I had like 102 feet, so I just barely made it. And one of the one of the biggest hits of the summer, you know, over 10, 15 years ago was Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Now, this was a credit I did mm-hmm. not know you had. You were an mm-hmm. animator on this project, so I'm, I'm going yep. to assume it was around the point of the zombie pirates so that it was animation on, or? Yes, I, well, actually, the, the uh, I did some uh, some shots of the pirates that but uh, the the main shot i did there's a shot of uh, johnny depp and and the, the the bad guy they're dueling and they're going up a hill kind of going in and out of shadow and uh light and they're becoming skeletons and then normal and skeletons well i animated all the skeletons in that shot had to match their uh, their performance exactly. I had the live action there and had to like place the skeleton over each one of them and kind of place it to match so that they could you know blend the skeletons in and out for effects. It's just fantastic in my yeah. eyes. So I, I just adore it. Well, well <laughs> yeah, and of course Ted and Terry wrote it. You know they were the writers on Aladdin. They That's wrote right. all the, the pirate movies. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're they've done uh, an amazing have an amazing resume of movies they worked. They also did Shrek, which I worked on. And you came back to Disney working on Prince Naveen and, and the Princess and the Frog. And I could tell you, yep. I was so excited to see this film. I remember I went with a bunch of friends and family, and coming back to your roots and working with uh, you know John and Ron. You know what was that? What was that like for you guys? Oh, that well, that was great. I've known them for years too, and they've been you know good friends. Actually, Ron and I. Ron, Ed Gombert, and I, and uh, Tad Stones, who's another uh, animation, he's a producer, I think. Uh, we were really best friends for quite a while when I first started at Disney. Ron and I hang, hung around quite a bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was great going back into 2D animation because I really missed it. Uh, like I say, I'd, I'd done some – the CG animation is – interesting but it doesn't give me the same satisfaction that sitting down and struggling with drawings does uh drawing is hard but when you actually succeed it's very satisfying with cg if you really succeed the computer's done half of it and it's not quite 
it doesn't have the same kind of satisfaction for me as uh, traditional animation. Yeah, it was great. I actually animate. I did a story for quite a while on that movie first, and then moved over to animation. Animated on Naveen and uh, Tiana as frogs. So yeah, but it, it was great working with Ron and John again. They've uh, worked up with them on Aladdin, and like I say, I've known them forever. And the talk of the town right now is Zootopia, and you worked on additional visual development with this. Yeah, film. that that so far it, it mystifies me. I <laughs> I didn't really work on the movie at all. I've got to find out. I want to watch it and see if there are any ideas. Because I did a lot of visual development for uh, Princess and Frog and Hercules and some other uh, productions. So my guess is that they pulled out some of my work. Do, uh, visual ideas and gags from the other movies, things that weren't used in those movies. And perhaps they use some of my ideas and work in Zootopia. So I'll have to watch it and find out. Uh, and uh, I'll be calling someone too and finding out what the, why my <laughs> name's on there. But it's nice to be part of it. <laughs> it was really good. I think you'll be very proud with it. And, and John and Ron are currently working on Moana. Is there any chance or possibility that you might be coming back to work with them on this next project? Well, not for Moana. That's really uh, almost finishing up. But you never know for the future. Uh, it's, you know, things get moved around and, and sometimes opportunities happen and you get a chance to go where you want. And other things, you got to just go where the world takes you, you know. So I, I would love to work with them again. We'll see what ha they try to do after, uh, after Moana. And we can finally end our interview with three Disney questions I always ask my guests. I call them the Fab Three. So Ooh. we'll start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Mm. Um, actually, Al uh, let's see, would it be? It would be Alice in Wonderland was one that really uh, affected me. Uh, I think just the, the wackiness of it and... The, the color, the design, the, the Mary Blair design and colors and everything just really intrigued me. The nuttiness of that movie just really attracted me a lot. So that, that's probably what would be my favorite back then. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? My best friend? Oh, probably Chernabog the, uh, from Black Mountain. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> If I met him in person, Disney character. Oh, Mickey Mouse, because he's everybody's friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you said Mickey, let's go to our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? When You Wish Upon a Star. <laughs> that song still, when I listen to it, when you really listen to it, it still kind of moves me. It's, I don't know why, just something about the chords and the way it works. It can still almost bring a tear to my eye sometimes when you really listen to it. And so. since your lovely singing voice sung us out at Waking Sleeping ah. Beauty, would you mind singing us out for this interview? <laughs> my voice still works. It's, it was a while ago. When you wish... Upon a star makes no dif makes a difference how old you are and your voice doesn't work as well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Randy. You have a sure. wonderful voice. We'll have to sing a duet later on. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear you match that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
makes no difference where you are. When you wish upon a star, your dreams come true.